this chapter is about the Buddha and we are at the introduction. Yeah. So uh, last week we covered how the the Buddha actually uh, don't just teach uh, the path of enlightenment, but also the various aspects, uh, worldly path. If you want to be reborn in the heavenly realms, we can also teach you. So, <clears throat> let's continue. The Nikayas offer two perspectives on the Buddha as a person. And to do justice to the text, it is important to hold these two perspectives in balance without letting one cancel, on, cancel out the other. A correct view of the Buddha can only arise from the merging of these two perspectives, just as the correct view of an object can only arise when the perspectives presented by our two eyes are merged in the brain into a single image. One perspective, the one highlighted most often in modernist presentations of Buddhism, shows the Buddha as a human being who, like other human beings, had to struggle with the common frailties of human nature to arrive at a state of an enlightened one. After his enlightenment at the age of 35, he walked among us for 45 years as a wise and compassionate human teacher, sharing his realization with others and ensuring that his teachings would remain in the world long after his death. This is the side of the Buddha's nature that figures most prominently in the Nikayas. Since it corresponds closely with contemporary agnostic attitudes towards the ideals of religious faith, it has an immediate appeal to those nurtured by modern modes of thought. The other aspect of the Buddha's person is likely to seem strange to us, but it looms large in Buddhist tradition and serves as a bedrock for popular Buddhist devotion. Though secondary in the Nikayas, it occasionally surfaces so conspicuously that it cannot be ignored, despite the efforts of Buddhist modernists to downplay its significance or rationalize its intrusions. From this perspective, the Buddha is seen as one who had already made preparations for his supreme attainment over countless past lives and was destined from birth to fulfill the mission of a world teacher. Text 2,2 is an example of how the Buddha is viewed from this perspective. Here, it is said, the future Buddha descends fully conscious from the Tusita heaven into his mother's womb. His conception and birth are accompanied by wonders. Deities worship the new in newborn infant, and as soon as he is born, he walks seven steps and announces his future destiny. Obviously, for the compilers of such a sutta as this, the Buddha was already destined to attain Buddhahood even prior to his conception, and thus his struggle for enlightenment was a battle whose outcome was already predetermined. The final paragraph of the sutta, however, ironically harkens back to the realistic picture of the Buddha. What the Buddha himself considers to be truly wondrous are not the miracles accompanying his conception and birth, but his mindfulness and clear comprehension in the midst of feelings, thoughts, and perceptions. 
So here, in these uh, two paragraphs, highlights two aspects about the Buddha, um, which, in a way, um, I think as a Buddhist, uh, typically a new Buddhist, traditional Buddhist, will be exposed to the second type. The second type, which is that, oh, the Buddha, uh, you know, when he was born, already had all, all the teachers, uh, and he has been practicing for many lives, and so on and so forth. Yeah? That when the moment he's born, he can walk seven steps and even speak, and so on. Uh, so, some of this amazing aspect about the Buddha. Yeah? Um, the first one is what most uh, Buddhists, after learning Dharma, uh, is more inclined, I think, yeah, is more inclined to veer towards. Yeah. Uh, I personally am, am more inclined to the first one. However, there are certain aspects of the second, uh, se second uh, perspective which I have also highlighted in class about how this is part of the larger picture of the Buddhist Yeah. So perhaps there is a, in a way, a middle path yeah, to look at the Buddha that he is not simply um, some predestined uh, person in a, in a sense, um, uh, but more that the fact that he can attain enlightenment is through all the practices as well. Yeah. So um, not so not so what do you call that um, imaginary or idealistic. Yeah. Um, in fact, <coughs> on the note about him walking seven steps, I have highlighted in many classes. Uh, did he really walk seven steps? Uh, when I was much younger, and we learned from the the classes about this, in the movies, it's, it is showed how he he as a baby would walk seven steps. Um, for me, as a young Buddhist back then, uh, it was accepted as fact that he walked seven steps, uh, that he raised his, his hand and you know pointed to the sky. But today, when I look back in those uh, narratives, uh, to me, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. What is more important is not whether he did or not. What is more important is what he did after that. Yeah. We take the Buddha as our teacher. We call him, he is called the Buddha. Not because he raised his hand, not because he walked seven steps. Now imagine if another person walked seven steps and can talk when he was born. But after that, live the life just like anybody else. Go to work, go to work, you know, mm. go to studies, and then compete with people. And uh, when things don't go their way, and then start <laughs> backstabbing people, and then go crazy, crazy about things. Um, would such a person be known as the Buddha? Such a person will be known as, oh, he uh, is the guy who is on YouTube, uh, you know, when young can walk seven steps and then can, can talk. Yeah. And if you think about it, you'll just be a one off, uh, one trick pony, if you will. Yeah. No, but all these things, they, they did mention this in front of the Buddha, right? I mean, like, they, they repeat, I mean, like, they, 
his birth and all that, the Buddha did say that yes, it had it happened. It, it, is, did it? it is described here in the text. No, I mean like, so when someone says, uh, what I'm saying is that, uh, so did Buddha say that yes, that happened? Did anyone actually narrate to him that before, I mean, what I'm saying is that, Verify the Buddha that that was actually what happened and Buddha said, yes, I walked seven steps. No, this was what the Buddha said. That was what the Buddha said. Yeah. Sorry. Text yeah. 2, comma. So, which means, okay. Yeah. So, let's Sorry. just jump ahead. Uh. Text 2, comma 2. The Buddha's birth, uh, conception and birth. So, let's look at the... It's in Majjhima Nikaya. Let me bring Majjhima Nikaya. <coughs> yeah, Majjhima Nikaya should be over there. Okay, just test my spelling. <laughs> Starts with M. Uh-huh, yeah. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, thank you. So for I mean, the aspect, right? Yeah. Um, much as it is, when they describe how the Buddha as a baby, walked seven steps and everything else. Was his coming foretold by any other Buddhas before? I, I may not have read far and wide before, yeah. but was his coming foretold? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, in the case yeah, of the Triad Buddha, it is really like foretold by Buddha. It is foretold by the past Buddha. The one before him, right? Uh, I don't. There's some other text that's talk about how under Buddha the Pankara. Yeah, Rantan Po. Yeah. At that point in time, he was given the, the so-called prediction. Because yeah. so when I read, I read disciples of Buddha, like, uh -huh. so like, like Venerable Putra, when he set aspiration to one of the earlier Buddhas when he was a disciple, he said, oh, I yeah. want to be a chief disciple of Buddha. Then the Buddha actually told, went ahead in the future to see and said, oh yeah, you have the meetings and you will be a chief disciple of one of the Buddhas. Yeah. Mm. So, you mean there are texts that actually relate and foretold the coming of uh, Shikamoni Buddha before as well? There are texts, no, there are no texts. The Buddha mentioned about those times. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but, he mentioned it himself. Yeah. But, uh, so, in Buddhism, the Buddha wasn't foretold in any existing texts. Okay. Yeah. So, unlike where he actually talked and about and spoke about the Vitraya Buddha that's going to come after him. Yeah. So in the past Buddha's time, at that point in time, some Buddha did foretell. But by the time this Buddha started, before he started, you see that, that's the thing about what was said. After each Buddha passed away, there will be a period of time where the Dharma continued. Yeah? Uh, people still practice. Then after a certain time, there's still Dharma, but nobody practice. Then after a while, no dharma altogether. Yeah. So that means all the text is all forgotten. Okay, so it probably would then form part of the writings of the past canon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not as the canon that you know yeah, of course. Okay, yeah, I understand it. Yeah. Yeah. So so here in Anguttara Nikaya, Acharya Abhuta Sutta. Mm. So in Majjhima Nikaya one, two, three so this is uh, this is the, the Buddha is within this sutra and uh, there was the discussion 
that among among the monks that uh, the Buddha has uh, that Verba Ananda Verba Ananda was praised was saying that uh, Buddhas yeah that Tathagatas Tathagatas referring to Buddhas that all Buddhas are wonderful have wonderful qualities. Tathagatas are marvelous and have marvelous qualities. So then, um, uh, the Buddha asked Varabhananda to further explain the Buddha's uh, the Buddha's marvelous, wonderful and marvelous quality. So then, Varabhananda listed all these things that um, I heard and listened and learned this from the Blessed One's own lips. Mindfully and fully aware, the Bodhisattva remain in the Tusita heaven. This too, I remember as a wonderful and marvelous quality of the Blessed One. And so on, up to the point where uh, the Bodhisattva ascended, had descended into his mother's womb, no sensual thought arose in her mind concerning in her concerning men, and she was inaccessible to any man having a lustful mind, and so on. And after the point where he was born, and uh, to the point where As soon as the Bodhisattva was born, he stood firmly with his feet on the ground. Then he took seven steps facing north, and with a white parasol held over him, he surveyed each quarter and uttered the words of the leader of the herd, I am the highest in the world, I am the best in the world, I am the foremost in the world, this is my last birth. Now there is no renewal for being of, it, of being for me. Yeah. So this is inside the Sutta and this is what Venerable Ananda said in front of the Buddha saying that these two I remember as a wonderful and marvelous quality of the Blessed One. Yeah. I mean, I'm, not that I oppose the text, uh, but to me, the uh, ultimately he became the Buddha not after saying this. He became the Buddha after he became the Buddha, after he became awakened. Yeah. Was there any particular reason why he faced no? No, no, no further explanation here, but we can look at the footnote 1165. Yeah. Nice <laughs> 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 Okay. <笑> 其实真的是他所训练的一个大师成员。嗯。啊，就是走几步。有些人还问，哎，他走七步，什么什么什么意思？研究这种。Yes. So, even 
I will even go further that so what if he didn't take seven steps? Yeah. The important thing is that he he realized and then he taught the truth that is uh, so precious that can help uh, people be free of something. So this is from Acharya about uh, Abhuta Sutta. Yeah, the translation is wonderful and marvelous. Acharya Abhuta. So. So, Kevin, can you help with the next paragraph? The three texts. The three texts in second three are biographical accounts consistent with this naturalistic point of view. They offer us a portrait of the Buddha stuck in its realism, bare in its naturalism, striking in its ability to convey deep psychological insights with minimal descriptive technique. In text 2, 3, uh, subsection 1, we read about his renunciation, his training under the two famous media, um, meditation teachers, his disillusion with their teachings, his solitary struggle, and his triumph realization of the debtors. Text 2, 3, subsection 2, fills in the gaps of the above narrative with a detailed account of the Bodhisattva's practice of self-modification, uh, strangely missing from the previous discourse. This text also gives us the basic description of the enlightenment experience as involving the attainment of the four jhanas, states of deep meditation, followed by the three teachers or higher types of knowledge and the knowledge of the recollection of past lives. The knowledge of the passing away and rebirth of beings and the knowledge of the destruction of the kings. While this text may convey the impression that the last knowledge broke upon the Buddha's mind as a sudden and spontaneous intuition, text 2, 3, subsection 3 corrects this impression with an account of the Bodhisattvas on the eve of his enlightenment, reflecting deeply upon the suffering of old age and death. He then methodically, methodically, uh, traces this suffering back to its conditions by a process that involves at each step careful attention. Yoniso Mana Sikara, leading to a breakthrough by wisdom. Anaya Abhisamaya, this process of investigation accumulates in the discovery of dependent origination which thereby becomes the philosophical cornerstone of his teaching. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So, from the, from the earlier part, which is about the birth, and the next section talk about his, his path, how he ultimately attained enlightenment. Um, uh, this is, uh, when we go through a text, there will be more information. Yeah. Uh, but the, I think this should be the, uh, what is that text called? Uh, uh, the Noble Search, probably under the Noble Search. Yeah. Here, 
four jhanas, this meditation, then three types of knowledge. The three types are the knowledge of the past life, of the passing away and rebirth of beings, and the knowledge of the destruction of the kids. Sangmin, what it is usually called the three knowledges of Sangmin. And then after that, goes into the the section on how the Buddha observe directly dependent origination. Yes. So sometimes, in a way, this is where when we look at the at the core of the Buddhist teaching or the yeah. It's not really a belief. Yeah, it's not meant to be a belief. Uh, because this is what he observed. And so, within Buddhism, the a crucial step is for individuals to go through that practice and then observe what the Buddha has observed for himself. Yeah. So, typically, for religion, it's called uh, faith. Or a belief, sinya. Religion is usually referred to as a faith, also. But in fact, in Buddhism, at the core of it, it's not about faith. At the core of it, it's about verifying what was discovered. What was discovered? So, dependent origination at the core is not about belief on one hand. On the other hand, it is also not uh, an intellectual um, discourse. It is not something that a group of people or one person just thought up to as an answer. You know, it's not an explanation for life. Yeah, so it's not that somebody asks and you, okay, I, I think of an answer for you. Yeah, it is more like you if you ask me. Uh, has the sun come out? Yeah, the sun has come out. Oh, you know? Well, you can check, you can check yourself out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whereas if I'm a blind person, then you ask me, has the sun come out? Then I have to use other ways to guess. Huh? Yeah. So, uh, similarly for the Buddha, it is that he verified his saw for himself. So in Buddhism, um, faith plays an initial role, but it must be replaced by personal verification. So that's is my view. And this is pretty much why that Buddhism is related to science in America. Yes. Because in science, we do a lot of observation. Empirical, yes. And after that, we ascertain from tests. Yes. And observe its results. And come up with a final answer. Yeah. I think, now I want to say this, I start to see why they are always relating Buddhism towards being a scientist in some way. Yes. There are a lot of parallel. Uh, back in ancient Greece, uh, I I oftentimes refer to ancient Greece because there's a lot of parallel, and also because ancient Greece developed around that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so in the uh, time of like Plato, uh, Socrates, they they have they at some point. They reach this level of uh, of of development of thinking. They philosophize so much that 
um, they say if if you can come up with a statement a line of reasoning that is true then it must be the truth to what extent if you can prove that the sun rises from the west and not the east then the sun must be wrong because the, the reasoning is correct then that must be wrong this is actually, of course, to us like ridiculous, huh? but this is a cornerstone of modern science. Yeah, because only when it has reached that point, that means they have so much confidence in logic and reasoning, yeah, that they reach such extreme. <laughs> then from there they have a breakthrough, and they say, "Wait a minute! If just because you can prove it logically that the sun actually rises from the west." But the sun does rise from the east. So it means that your reasoning must be wrong. Yeah. So then from there, uh, the, the, this, this line of reasoning developed, we had that breakthrough. And from there uh, was the birth of modern scientific methodology, where you come up with a, you have a, you have a, a hypothesis, you come up with a, a set of rules, to define your hypothesis, then you must verify with experimentation, with real life. And after that, if the results match, then you must repeat it again and again uh, until you are quite satisfied by third party. And if not, if at any point in time it doesn't match, you repeat and it again doesn't match in the same way, then it, it means that your hypothesis is wrong. And you must go and revise your hypothesis uh, to, to and then try again, yeah. yeah. So today, when we when we learn in science, like this is like the standard approach, yeah. But when we know how they arrive at it, <laughs> it's very interesting. Uh, so uh, then you you consider the Buddha two thousand six hundred years ago. Uh, his approach was you cannot simply just accept. Yeah, you must go and verify. Uh, okay. Vivian, uh, next. It is important. Page 47. It is important to emphasize. It's important to have some light. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Hi, Jebu. It is important to emphasize that, as presented here and elsewhere in the Nikayas, See below page 353-59. Uh, dependent origination does not signify a joyous celebration of the interconnectedness of all things, but the precise articulation of the conditional pattern in dependence upon which suffering arises and ceases. In the same text, the Buddha declares that he discovered the path to enlightenment only when he found a way to bring dependent origination to an end. It was thus the realization of the cessation of dependent origination and not merely the discovery of its <laughs> of the origination aspect that precipitated the Buddha's enlightenment. The simile of the ancient city, introduced later in the discourse, illustrates the point that the Buddha's enlightenment was not a unique event but the rediscovery of the same ancient path 
that have been followed by the Buddhas of the past. Thank you. Yeah, so here, uh, two points here. The second point is about how the Buddha is not, um, he didn't invent anything new. But this, this path uh, is, that means the noble two path. It's actually something that was uh, was always the way that past Buddhas had discovered and practiced and taught. Uh, he merely rediscovered it. Yeah. So the first part here, dependent origination does not signify a joyous celebration of the interconnectedness of all things, but a precise articulation of the conditional pattern independence upon which suffering arises and ceases. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, if I read the author correctly, uh, in, the, in the other schools, this is pure, quite purely Theravada, but in the other schools, the, the dependent origination is often then expanded yeah, into interconnectedness. So, um, you know, in the Heart Sutra class, I also mentioned about how things depend on conditions to arise. Um, because it depends on things to arise, so in a way we are interconnected. But you notice that I don't highlight so much on oh wow this is the beautiful thing we're all interconnected we're one big family <laughs> I don't emphasize that so much there are some other teachers in Mahayana school that highlight that a lot and sometimes this this train of thought can expand all the way into oh we are all actually one and when you reach the point where you say we are all actually one then again it becomes similar to the God idea. Yeah, because then when you say, oh, there are some teachers who even go, go like, oh, we are all interconnected and we are all part of a higher consciousness. It's one step at a time. Huh? That's really, we are part of one higher consciousness. And what is that higher consciousness actually called in other religion? God. <laughs> Before you know it, eh? how did we end up? Yeah. So it's actually a lot of um, baby steps, yeah. Um, not, not not necessarily the aim of all the teachers, yeah. But this is unfortunately what happens. So I think um, here he is sort of like just lightly touching on it that uh, to highlight that dependent origination is not about that, yeah. It's not about that. Uh, you'll see a lot of uh, uh, pseudo-Buddhist groups talking about similar things like this. Yeah. How we're all interconnected and then somehow the interconnectedness will, will be linked to the higher, some universal consciousness. It's not a cult. But they talk about compassion, they talk about acceptance. Which is quite close to like Buddhism. Yeah, but it's not Buddhism. Mm-hmm. I mean, but they didn't say it's Buddhism. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you see, you see that the the trouble is, um, 
some of these groups of so-called teachers, they they also learn Buddhism, they learn Hinduism, they learn a lot of religion, mm. and they just mix and match. The moment they say that they are Hindu, they must follow the Hindu tenets, the expectations of a Hindu priest, and mm. so on. The moment they say that, let's say they are Shinto priests, they must follow that structure. Uh, if they say that they are Buddhism, then are you a lay or a, a monastic? You must follow that structure, yeah, and the expectations and so on and so forth. But most of these new age teachers, they don't. No, 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 no. Yes, we, we, don't, we, we must not. We must not be attached to one. <laughs> Why? It's more convenient, ma. It's more convenient to just okay. Then I can just cherry pick. This one quite nice. I'll take one something. That one also quite nice. Yeah. But uh, so some people say, "Then what's wrong?" Well, the the trouble is. When we try to in this way, we are ignoring the fact that the, there are some fundamental differences between the different school of thoughts. Yeah. Uh, is the is the world really the way that person cherry pick? Uh, that's the question. Yeah, that's the question. Yeah. So there's that danger of just feeling good. That's uh, feeling good. There's, there's, a, there's a reason why Yi Kuan Tao has a certain level of virtue. If they don't have all the crazy ritual, uh, a lot of other people will join it. <laughs> they have a Tian Tao and all kinds all kind of ritual. If they, don't, they, if they do away with that, I think they will have a lot of people. But if they do away with that, then so Yi Kuan Tao, oh, it's too complicated to explain. Okay. But it's another side, side group that claims to be a combination of five major religions. Tian Tao. Tian Tao, also known as Tian Tao. Taoism. Yeah. I was in that group when I was a young teenager. Then I got out of the group, I cannot say the code so. Oh, you can't say code, say code, oh, I didn't know, I'm totally lost. So if you take out the ritual, it will be a job. Like a few hours, I'm not going to carry it. <音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音
but they do not address uh, their teachers as teachers or variables, but they call them managers. So it's very good. And the puja can be quite long as well. But it's conducted all in Chinese, so that's why it's not good for you. And for the unbelieving, they have got this uh, culture where when you go for the so-called puja, after you finish, somebody will just very subconsciously point you out as a so-called non-believer or oh. not went there yet. So what the manager will do, he will bring you to one side and and tell you why is it right to do that. So when they teach our five main religions, Buddhism is Confucianism, Christianity is about love, and uh, Confucianism is about theory and logic, then uh, Islam is about cleanliness. They don't learn the Hinduism in there. So actually, they, they uh, sum out Hinduism for Confucianism. So they want to have theory and logic in there to prove that they are actually mm-hmm. proven uh, in a way. Because if you have logic, it must be proven. Logic cannot be hearsay. Mm-hmm. But Hinduism is very much hearsay. I mean, what Vishnu, Ganesha, elephant and everything else. Quite mm-hmm. illogical for some people. The Swami Sadaiv is all true. Uh, but for Confucianism, it's all about logic. Mm-hmm. So I actually was in there for a while until I really got <laughs> super high oh, Let's leave. Yeah, so, whether it's this, this Ikuan Tao, Tian uh, Tao, or any other groups, uh, a lot of, I think most religious groups on the, at the forefront will always talk about compassion. Yeah. So, this is, this is like saying, uh, you bought a car, it doesn't have four wheels. Of course, I must have four wheels, but what kind of car is that? Can have more wheels but cannot have less wheels. Uh, otherwise, it's a tricycle or something. Yeah. Uh, so, just because a certain group espouses uh, compassion doesn't make it Buddhism. Yeah. yeah. So, there are other, other more atas, uh, more atas, uh, new age, more modern. Uh, kind of spiritual teacher uh, or spiritual groups um, that they basically just have extracts of of this teaching from Buddhism, from Hinduism, from Christianity, and then claim it to be to, to be their own. Yeah. Now I'm not suggesting that as a result we are against them. I'm not suggesting that they are doing uh, anything bad just by that. Um, but when they um, when they sometimes blur the line, uh, yeah, and uh, in a way, I still don't say that they are wrong. It is that if Buddhists know their own teachings, they will not be so easily confused. Yeah, because for example, this part about the interconnectedness. Yeah. Unfortunately, some monastics themselves are not clear about things. Also, that's why. You can have monks and nuns. So far, I, I heard of nuns going up. There's one video where he invite one monk to come and say this and that. But the monk never declared where he's from. In this case. From the, yeah, from the accent, it sounds like he's from China. But never mentioned who is his teacher, where he received his higher ordination, where is his temple. So it could be anybody. 
So, so Titan is coming to Singapore? Oh, he's, he's in and out of Singapore. Uh, I think... And when he comes, he's on he's a coming to give, He's coming to give a talk. Yeah. He was on the bus. <laughs> yeah. Advertisement is face. Advertisement is it? I think February next year. So, he yeah, so so for most people, for most, I mean, in, in this day and age, um, there's this saying, uh, if you dare to sell, you will come. Yeah. If you dare to sell, then there will be people who want to buy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I was in US, and that was 10 over years ago, you look at some of the publication and this is what we observe a lot of new books written by uh, the lady the lay people uh, monastics we usually don't write so much books uh, not that we don't want to write books but in fact for me to do recording and then post online uh, uh, some of the senior monks they don't even want to do that and the reason is because sometimes in a sentence um, there may be a slip of tongue. So if the slip of tongue is recorded, it's fixed with you. And if you if you if today five of you hear something that I said wrongly, uh, I mentioned in class I would mentally do a review of what I said. And then I'll do corrections if I miss up something. Uh, but if it's posted online, if it's printed as a book, how, how do you get put it back? <laughs> yeah. So, I thought, but then on the other hand, for many of the lay people, uh, and for them, they don't care. Wow, right up, right up. <laughs> and when you go and look at a book, Chinese say si si Yeah, a lot of. A lot of things that is inside the those so-called Buddhist texts. Uh, half, half dharma. You can say that is maybe at most half dharma, and that's the problem. If it's totally wrong dharma, then it's very clear. It's when it's like half here, half there, then it becomes confusing. Mm -hmm. So anyway, just to kind of like this part on interconnectedness. Uh, if you ever come across some of the uh, new age religious texts uh, or spirituality, uh, they, they nowadays like to talk about, oh, uh, we are into spirituality but not into religiosity. I have blood. <laughs> no, but, a lot of rubbish, all these all these things. Um, like, but some people can be religious but not spiritual because it's like, for example. Yeah, I saw one one cartoon was very cute. Like, I mean, oh. I saw this woman scolding, scolding the maid, and then being very nasty. Then in yeah. the end, you can pray. Yeah, and it, it, it doesn't make sense. Also, of, it can of be course, of course, of course. But, but you see, the the thing is, it's very easy to take such extreme cases uh, and assume that that's the norm, and then assume that religious uh, people are definitely not 
you know, to, to, to draw that kind of dichotomy. Of course, we all know that it's not always true. But by highlighting that, it is making it as though no point being religious. You know what I mean? Yeah, no point being religious. But that's like saying, um, a, if, you're, if, if let's say a small kid sees a friend, the friend in class always talk, 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 and then at home play game, eh? PSLE, get 262. Two, two. Then, what is the conclusion? You have to study, la, just go sing more. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but these are, these are anomalies. Yeah, the norm is you need to study, then you get good results. Almost simple is like that one. Yeah. So that the case of is it the norm that uh, or is it that when you when you pray, pray, pray or you do religious practices, uh, that naturally you will be nasty? No, that's I think that's not what they're trying to say. Yeah. I know saying, I know what they're trying to say. That it's pointless to be religious if you are not spiritual. And and, and yet not be kind. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I used to think that way also. And it is the, the 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 underlying principle is not wrong. What I start to uh, observe is that people then take it. Uh, take the takeaway for for many people is that there's no there's little point being religious altogether. It may not be what you clean, uh, but a lot of people see this kind of thing, and especially for the young one, you are not so. Are you so? Are you doing? Meaning, as as a tiny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Tom. Alan Tom. He's like fifty now, but he says that he's twenty-five every year. You ask me. Fifty. Fifty? No, fifty plus, right? Sixty. Sixty. Oh my. I'm already thirty-three. He's still twenty-five. I'm already thirty-three. I'm already forty-three. How can he be fifty? I'm only eighteen. Can't tell, right? Oh, not at all. Not at all. Too much. Oh dear. So, I mean, in class, I also highlight this, that uh, the, the whole joke, you know, I mean, I also joke about this, but it's very important to let people have the right message after that. Unfortunately, on Facebook, you see this picture, there's no one to go and to, to highlight the important thing behind. So a lot of people then end up Thinking like, ah, uh, I uh, just do away with the the religious practices and everything. Anyway, this one can't stop us. Serene. So, sorry, so that's uh, one question. So, does it mean that dependent on generation should be a basis of our or should be a foundation of what we are learning as well? Because it says here, Buddha saw. Was the cessation of dependent I've mentioned in the uh, Heart Sutra class that when we talk about the Four Noble Truth, uh, it is actually a it is actually a summary uh, of the dependent origination. Dependent origination actually is the first two Noble Truth. As far as the uh, the arising of suffering is concerned. Then the cessation of suffering is the third noble truth. Yeah. So dependent origination actually covers these two parts. Covers the first three noble truths. Uh, yeah. The fourth noble truth covers uh, is is a bit out of the dependent origination. Yeah. 
but it is what enables the seizing. First is a practice, right? Yes. Your behavior, your actions, your thoughts, and everything. Yes. Sabine, Acts 2, Honor 4. Acts 2, 4 resumes the narrative of the text through 3, bracket 1, which I had divided by spacing in the two alternative versions of the Bodhisattva's quest for the path to enlightenment. Vena rejoined the Buddha immediately after his enlightenment as he ponders the weighty question whether to attempt to share his realization with the world. Just at this point, in the midst of a text that has so far appeared so convincingly naturalistic, a deity named Rama Samhambhati descends from the heaven to plead with the Buddha to wander forth and teach the Dharma for the benefit of those with little dust in their eyes. Should this scene be interpreted literally or as a symbolic enactment of an internal drama taking place in the Buddha's mind, it is hard to give a definitive answer to this question. Perhaps the scene could be understood as occurring at both levels at once. In any event, Rama's appearance at this point marks a shift from the realization from the realism, from the realism that colors the earlier part of the Sutta back towards the mythical symbolic mood. The transition against underscore the cosmic significance of the Buddha's enlightenment and his future mission as a teacher. Thank you. So here, um, uh, the Bodhisattva's quest for the path to enlightenment. Yeah. So the earlier part is all uh, part of, I, I believe, the, the, the noble search. And then um, the question of Brahma Sahampati, yeah, which I've mentioned repeatedly in class, uh, for a heavenly being to appear and then to plead with the Buddha, to teach, to go forth to teach, out of compassion, yeah. or there are those with little dust in their eyes. Um, interestingly, the author also um, posed this question, whether it should be taken literally or symbolic um, enactment inside the Buddha's mind. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so there's these two layers. No, there's these two layers. Uh, in fact, there are those scholars who ask the question: if the if the Buddha is uh, already a Bodhisattva and he already planned all this, then why is there a need for someone to come and request? Yeah, why why did he even have the doubt? Why would he not? be able to see that there are people with little dust in their eyes. These are questions which is not so apparent when you are learning it in secondary school level. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure last time, I don't know, do you think RK last time? Mm. Yes. Yeah. So when you read this, you don't think so much, you know, at a certain level, yeah. you just accept, oh, wow, oh, <laughs> well, Sunday morning, one, the, the, one of the heavenly beings come down and then he 
阿拉斯伯砖啊，哇，阿拉斯伯砖，做吧，你啊，然后做梦做，决定一个人。我听到的时候是，哎，因为我们是平常人，做的。你这个的，那么上上到第一，说那个单，你没去没说。No, I mentioned that he is a third stage. Oh, third stage. And I think, yeah. Oh, third stage, yeah, 对。啊，对对。那 maybe he did that because he also wanted to. Yeah. Well, for him to do it is not an issue, but for the Buddha to need him to do it. So our standard explanation is that this is part of the process of the Buddha giving teachings. Yeah, where the Buddha do not do anything without conditions. Yeah. So at that point in time, there's still no one who requests for teaching in this world. Yeah. So, in a way, that Brahma Sampati merely play the role of the initiator to start off to request. Yeah. So similar to this group, ah, who was the five ascetics? The five ascetics. One ascetic going 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 for extreme ascetics. Yeah. Yeah, going for extreme ascetics. Going to the mountains. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Then exchange for one more. Yeah. When she come back, you see her in the picture. The kid, then she done. Yeah. So Louis texts me. Yeah. Replace expertise. We change my expertise. I think you are really looking forward to do this, right? That's why you keep saying that you want to join me. Oh, next year, next year. Later, Jerry's. ทำอะไรแต่แค่อาศัยเจริญสุจริตมาสิแต่แค่อาศัยเจริญสุจริตมาสิแต่แค่อาศัยเจริญสุจริตมาสิแต่แค่อาศัยเจริญสุจริตม
when Venerable Sariputra asked the Buddha which Buddha's teaching lasts uh, longer than others, yeah, which one are shorter, which one is long, longer, then the Buddha mentioned about, oh, this Buddha and that Buddha is long, this Buddha is shorter. Then Venerable Sariputra asked, like, what is the distinction? Why some long, some short? Then the Buddha said that there are those Buddha who only teach Dharma but not Vinaya. Yeah. Only Dharma but no, no Vinaya. So Venerable Sariputra then said, in that case, please, out of kind, uh, compassion, please teach Vinaya. Then the Buddha said, do not make that request now. Yeah. The Tathagata know when to teach the Vinaya. There's no condition apparently. So only in, in my lineage it was like 12 years. Yeah, after 12 years, then there was condition. Yeah, but in some lineages they say 10 years. Either, either 10 or 12 years. Uh, what is the condition? Someone must, make, must do something that is wrong. <laughs> now you may wonder, but if no one does anything wrong, then good one. You see the problem is, the Buddha at some point in time of entering Nirvana. So, if people do something wrong while the Buddha is around, then the Buddha can set down the, the rule, and the rule will help future people to practice. If nobody do anything wrong during the Buddha's time, the Buddha passed into Parinibbana, after that, then people start doing things wrong, and nobody knows that that's wrong. Yeah. Then it will decline very quickly. So, uh, even for the Vinaya. Yeah. So, in the uh, Vinaya text, every single rule comes about because of somebody doing something, then the Buddha said, as a, in a way, like a OB marker uh, to tell people, okay, these mm -hmm. are the things. So, in the Mahayana text, we say that there are some of the monks who always do a lot of crazy things. Uh. Uh, in a larger perspective, they say that those are actually Bodhisattvas. They sound a bit contrived, but they say that their role was specific there to, to point out what are the things that is not to be done. Yeah. So, if you look at the Vinaya strictly, the those who actually flouted, they actually never break any rule, because it was never set yet. It's only set after they break it. Only after they do something stupid. Yeah. So technically, they never break any Vinaya rules. <laughs> they created a condition for Vinaya to be stopped. are more innocent and unlike people now. Like people now wow, keep looking for loopholes. But if you look at the Vinaya in the past, they are they also look for loopholes, you know. Mm -hmm. So for example killing. Uh, so the Buddha said um, killing a person is an offense. Yeah? Parajika. Then the person killing a person cannot. Okay. So kill a man cannot. Kill a woman. Then the Buddha, kill a woman also cannot. 
Okay, kill man, kill woman cannot. Okay, kill animal. Kill animal also cannot. Then after that, oh, kill animal cannot. Then kill gods, one of the day one. Kill day one also cannot. So, you, you look at the sub clause, uh, the main rule is no killing, right? But there were so many sub clause that came. <laughs> So, <laughs> same, same. When you read, yeah, very cute. I mean, to me, when I read that, right, it makes me feel um, that uh, Buddhism is a very human religion. Yeah. That uh, they actually record down all these crazy things, uh, in a way, very crazy things that uh, that shows the very human part of, of us. Yeah. That, 2,500 years ago, same thing. <laughs> oh, Buddha say like that, cannot right? Then I do this. this oh, after that, Buddha discovered, cannot. Okay, then I do this. Some you do it. The best is from, I cannot kill right. You don't kill. This is what happened to the 16 months. The Buddha really set the rule that you cannot kill and then later also set the rule you cannot commit suicide. Yeah, mm-hmm. someone tried to commit suicide, then the Buddha also said cannot. Then later also on, killing also, right? yeah, also concept even in your own body. Yes. So then after that, there was this ascetic who who had the wrong view, thinking that oh, by killing people off, then you are liberated. So he go around offering this service. You want to be liberated? I can liberate you. So the sixteen months after practicing. Uh, the contemplation on the foulness of the body becomes so sick of the body. Mm. Then they thought, ah, but the Buddha has set the rule. You cannot kill yourself. So the person came and offered the services. Okay, in that case, <laughs> you, you, you do it for us. Yeah. Mm. Okay, come. I'll reach. Uh, one more paragraph. Brahma's appeal eventually prevails and the Buddha agrees to teach. He chooses as the first recipients of his teaching the five ascetics who had attended on him during his years of ascetic practices. The narrative culminates in a brief statement that the Buddha instructed them in such a way that they all attained their deathless nirvana for themselves. However, it gives no indication of the specific teaching that the Buddha imparted to them when they first met them after his enlightenment. That teaching is the first discourse itself, known as the setting in motion of the wheel of the Dharma. Thank you. It's interesting that he mentioned that uh, that's, it gives no indication of the specific teaching because Dhammachaka Pavatana Sutta is about the Four Noble Truth and Eightfold Path. Yeah. Uh, so this is insight. Uh, let me see, is it, is it here now? Or is it inside the Vigani Fire? Can you help me bring the Vigani Fire?
Also, you did mention before uh -huh. that the five aesthetics already have a certain level of mm. understanding based on their yeah. practices. Yes. That's why to so-called liberate them in that manner was actually much easier than the norm, right? Oh yeah, of course. And because of their practices, probably even in their past lives as well. Yes, yes. For sure. And perhaps like the Buddha did was like accumulation of so many eons. Yeah. And it's really the right condition for them to attain enlightenment. Yes. For them it is uh, it is more about just pointing them in the right direction. They were already ascetics themselves. For most people, we are still struggling to to find reasons not to practice. <laughs> We suffer to find the reason to suffer. Yeah. The blood is point, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, let me read to finish the last the remaining paragraph. This sutta is included here as text two comma five. When the sutta opens, the Buddha announces to the five ascetics that he has discovered the middle way, mm -hmm. which he identifies with the Noble Eightfold Path. In the light of the preceding biographical account, we can understand why the Buddha should begin his discourse in this way. The five ascetics had initially refused to acknowledge the Buddha's claim to enlightenment and had spurned him as one who had betrayed the high calling to revert to a life of luxury. Thus. He first had to assure them that, far from reverting to a life of self-indulgence, he had discovered a new approach to the timeless quest for enlightenment. This new approach, he told them, remains faithful to the renunciation of sensual pleasures, yet eschews tormenting the body as pointless and unproductive. He then explained to them the true path to liberation, the noble Eightfold Path which avoids the two extremes and thereby gives rise to the light of wisdom and culminates in the destruction of all bondage nibbana. Yeah, so this is uh, this is a very interesting narrative that I where I where applicable I will actually share in classes. Uh, and in in the in the process is it's quite interesting because one would think that oh the, for the Buddha to start teaching must be a grand affair. Uh, but it's actually just five person and the five were actually doubtful of him. Yeah. Uh, as much as they have little dust in the eyes, but just mo just before that, and supposedly seven weeks before that, uh, he he left them or he he decided to take nourishment. And so five five of them in a way abandoned him. And say that like, you have forsaken the path. Yeah, you are now, you know, bathing yourself, drink, drinking the rice milk. Uh, shame on you! You know, like we struggled for so long, then you give up. <laughs> so they left him, and then they continue their extreme asceticism. Now this this part I often highlight in some of the texts and even some of the classes. Uh, Dharma teachers sometimes link the whole thing, uh, in particular the Chinese tradition. The Chinese tradition sometimes say, uh, practice extreme asceticism for six years and then attain enlightenment. 
it's not that he practiced extreme asceticism and then attained enlightenment. No. It is that he practiced for six years and realized it's useless and then he forsake it. He abandoned this practice. Yeah. Then he practiced the uh, meditation and from there discover the truth. If he had not abandoned it, he will not become the Buddha. He will just be one of the ascetic who is sitting there. Yeah, who is still sitting there. Possible then? In uh, this case, extreme ascetism should not be a should not be allowed now in this current age, right? Especially now we've got the the uh, precepts on non killing. Because in extreme ascetism, you may just kill yourself. In fact, in other suttas, the Buddha highlighted do not practice extreme asceticism. So extreme asceticism is not part of the Buddhist practices. So people do it now. The ascetic practices is not extreme. Uh, so there are there are twelve or thirteen butanga practices. Butanga is ascetic the, the ascetic practices. Uh, those practices are very specific to different kinds kinds of uh, defilements and attachment. Some people are attached to sleep. Some people are attached to food. Some people are attached to to serve people to servitude, and so on. So to counter diff different kinds of attachment and clinging, then uh, these practices are allowed by the Buddha. If you look at the Visuddhi Manga, uh, under the chapter first chapter on uh, Sila. Then it mentions about the Vitanga practices and it highlights that uh, to, to further this practice, usually, usually practitioners do not take on the Vitanga, in other words, ascetic practices to yourself. You don't just suka suka. Hmm, I think I want to just sit at night and don't lie down. You know, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to train under a teacher and the teacher, looking at how you are, will give you will give you the different practices if required. And when you have already gone beyond that stage, you are no longer so attached, then you should stop that practice and live a normal as a practitioner. But some in some lineages then they take it as wow this is more supreme. <laughs> yeah. Then if in a way you may end up missing the whole point. Right? So it's a it's a countermeasure practice. So ascetic practices in current day is an assigned practice. It's yes. no longer an adopted practice. Uh, adopted and assigned. Assigned meaning a teacher will see your yeah. It's supposed to be your training. They assign it to you as part of yes. Your it's supposed training. to be. So you cannot uh, I adopt and practice that on my own. Well, unless the person is saying that oh I am my own teacher. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. And there's no lineage in that instance. Yeah, no. yeah. That's why sometimes when some of the folks, when I when I give them certain tasks or seeming seemingly like ridiculous things to do, then they refuse to do it or they find some reason to stick around it. I I will just ignore them after that. <laughs> because how do I put it? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, <that's> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will sing You know the uh, the the plastic bag. Initially, when they came, then they 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 were like 
trying to fold it. That's why I fold it very specifically. Then I told them, I said, fold it this way. So most, most people will just anyhow. In a way, does it matter? Yeah. Like if you look at the ones in further in, uh, it's folded to a certain specification. Um, you will not see any teaching, any sutra talk about folding NTUC plastic bags. And it's not a religious thing, huh? so why does Sifu keep on insisting must be like this or that? And some of them even sort of make a joke out of it. But I never really explain or anything. Um, in a way, it's okay, you know, you can also just put it inside the, that, you know, that, that basket. Just put it there, you can use it. Yeah, there are many ways to skin a cat, no problem. But you see, in the in our life, uh, if you observe a person who who is meticulous, who is careful about what he's doing, he's seldom careful here, but other place very far off. Uh, so when I ask some of them to go and fold the plastic bag, it is about uh, Two things. One is, can you devote your mind to doing something carefully? Number two is, how much faith do you have in your teacher? And it's not that I ask you to go and jump down the second floor. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if I ask you to ask, ask, ask a person to go a plastic bag, cannot even do it properly, then how much faith do you have in me? Yeah. That, quite funny. Yeah. Uh, there are other parts of the suttas that talk about how um, folding plastic bag is not exact. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the effort, the meticulous effort you put in to do things, uh, to do things. Uh, there are some other, uh, like, you know, in, in yes. many of the Southeast Asian countries, uh, for the longest time, like under Ajahn Chah, Ajahn Man, he, in his biography, he says that many of the housewives attend jhana. Yeah. Why? Because in a way, their life is, is very simple, but they, they have a chance to do a lot of repetitive work. Most people nowadays don't like to do repetitive work. Folding plastic bag is a very repetitive thing. But if you cannot do that, then you want to talk about meditation. That's why I asked Dilling to go and do it properly. Yeah. Because if you cannot, she cannot bring herself to focus, then you ask her to meditate. So okay. And that's partly why that time I asked them to play the play carol. You notice different people play carol differently? It's not about how well you play, how much effort you put in. I mean, some of us maybe are better, like, <laughs> go, 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 it's actually about that person's own practice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, sometimes when I do an attack, I just tie a knot and put it somewhere. Yeah. Is it plastic bag? I think there's a plastic bag somewhere in the. Yeah. The basket. 
Yeah. And I on the on the tabletop there's one plastic bag that has been there for several days. Sometimes some things can be on the floor. I am fully aware that it's there. But sometimes I'm thinking like it doesn't block anybody. <laughs> I'm the only one who stay. If I'm okay, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. But some days then I'm like, okay, maybe now it's time to move it. Because Then sometimes there are some students who will, uh, including being too eager to help. Yeah. And now, now I start to understand why some teachers, the more you want to do it, they don't let you do it. The more you don't want to do it, they, the more they keep on bugging you to do and do it, do and do it. But yeah, and it's true. Most ma- many managers are like that. Yeah. But for a spiritual teacher, I like to think that the spiritual teacher is not doing it to make people's life difficult. But it's to help the person overcome that tendency. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean I always I recently just mentioned to some people that you think I want to ask you to do it? Easier if I just do it myself. No? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why, why do I find that statement so common and so familiar? Yeah. <laughs> I use it so often. So yeah. <laughs> and in fact, as a in the corporate world, as a manager, it's the same thing, you know. Usually those who rise through the ranks to be a manager or team leader, you you know the ground very well. But you realize that at a certain level, it's no longer about completing the task. It's about Growing the team to complete the task. Mm. Yeah. So similarly, if I want, I can just pull everything myself. Up. Very simple, and I, I find it very therapeutic. You know? I actually enjoy this kind of thing. Just in fact, when I was in Pongsan, I sometimes joke about if if the effort let me just go and drive, be a driver. I'm very happy. I don't have to attend it. <laughs> to spend time, actually, I still don't want to do it. Also, maybe next time if you find a Student that's too uh, hyper and only to calm the person down. Why Tao Gay? Pay Tao Gay. Then everybody is still got Tao Gay to eat. Good idea. Tao Gay is cheap, but one dollar can be a lot. Hit and kill, hit and kill, right? You know Tao Gay, right? Yeah, there was a performance about it. So this artist, she invited the uh, museum goers to just join in and do that thing. Talking the yeah, the so disrupts. it's in a round table. So she sit down and she started doing So people can just come in and pluck it out. Yeah, then they have a conversation. Then when people goes, then she just continues. So there is always like people coming people in. People coming in. Yeah, so the whole day she kept doing. Oh. So it's like uh, building she... a dialogue with different people mm. at the same time. 
it was kind of meditative for yes. them. Yeah. You must really like being yeah. sports <laughs> <laughs> no, I think she she got that idea because she remember when she was young, she always had conversations with her mom mm. at the kitchen table during that. Yeah. Because when you do that, when you talk, a lot of things that comes up as conversation is out of consciousness to you. You do not even think about it. It just comes. Quite mm. useful. <laughs> so we get to do some things like bean sprouts, break bean, break bean, mix together. Oh, so mix <laughs> Next session, you can try that. Have a talk. I just want to in the in the traditional temple, sometimes the uh, some of the tasks given uh, are actually very what we call menial tasks. Mm. That means very manual, don't need to think. Yeah. And those are actually good precursor for a meditator. Yeah. Because after doing it for let's say half an hour to an hour, your mind is quite centered really. Mm. Then when you sit, okay, very easily you get intense concentration. Yeah. Is that why area duty is still cycle of one sweeping floor or that? It's not really I guess, it's set purpose. Yes, I guess it's set a purpose in that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately for some monastery, they outsource the cleaning, they will clean it. Just like SAF. The recruit told you to air clean Last time <laughs> in the <laughs> army, uh, <laughs> when I'm tasked to do air clean, I'm, I'm super happy. Yeah, I can spend one hour, one, two hours just mopping and sweeping. Very happy. But, oh well. So, last two. I'll, I'll just finish reading the last two paragraphs. Once he has cleared up their misunderstanding, the Buddha then proclaims the truths he had realized on the night of his enlightenment. These are the four noble truths. Not only does he enunciate each truth and define uh, and briefly define its meaning, but he describes each truth from three perspectives. This constitutes the three turnings of the wheel of the Dharma referred to later in the discourse. With respect to each truth, the first turning is the wisdom that eliminates the particular nature of that noble truth. The second turning is the understanding that each noble truth imposes a particular task to be accomplished. Thus, the first noble truth, the truth of suffering, is to be fully understood. Yeah, this is something that um, much later, in recent years, uh, I've been highlighting. Yeah. Uh, we often think that four noble truths, we just learn it. Yeah, but the four noble truths, each one, you are supposed to do different things. The first noble truth to be understood, second to be abandoned, third to be uh, realized, and the fourth to be developed. But of course, when you look at the translation, sometimes it's not always the same. So, can you can explain the, word, the meaning of the word turning. Uh, okay. Is it very literal or not? Okay, in a while. Okay. It's to be fully understood. The second truth, the, the truth of suffering, suffering's origin of craving, is to be abandoned. <coughs> the third truth, the truth of the cessation of suffering, is to be realized. And the fourth truth, the truth of the path, is to be developed. Happen to be the same, huh? why? Because when I first read this, is from his translation. <laughs> Happen to remember. 
The third turning is the understanding that the four functions regarding the four noble truths have been completed. The truth of suffering has been fully understood, craving has been abandoned, the cessation of suffering has been realized, and the path has been fully developed. It has it was only when he understood the four noble truths in these three turnings and twelve modes, he says, that he could claim that he had attained unsurpassed perfect enlightenment. So that the turning itself is um, in a way um, in line with the metaphor of the Dharma wheel. Yeah. In Chinese we literally use the word zhuang. Yeah. Uh, and in all the different suttas or commentaries where the word turning occurs, it is actually about uh, action. Yeah. It's about action. So the 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 act of uh, of thinking, the act of uh, realization, the act of abandoning, and so on. Yeah. So uh, turning is about action, uh, a very active form of involvement. Yeah. Um, in some places, it also means interaction. In some other places, it means uh, practice. It refers to the practices. Uh, um, in the, especially in the case of this sutta, the turning of the Dharma view, it is both figurative uh, in, the, in, the, in the extent of referring to Dharma as a view, yeah, uh, that is figuratively speaking, turning the view. Yeah. Uh, this also means that in the Buddha's time, there was already a lot of concept of what a view is. Uh, I mean, they have bullock cuts and so on already. Yeah. Um, the, the view also appear in another um, uh, teaching called the Dharma Chakra uh, View Turning Monarch. Dharma Chakra Raja? Yeah. Uh, view Turning Monarch. So it refers to how that, that king would actually have certain treasures. Yeah, and it appears as a view. Uh, in a way, it refers to he, the, the way he ruled the, the land. Yeah. So, uh, the concept of view uh, symbolizing the activities, the action of a person. Yeah. So, in this case, figuratively turning the view, uh, but referring to the Buddha uh, delivering the teachings. Delivering the teachings. So, three levels are uh, three levels. The truth itself, for each of the four truths, the truth itself, what you should do, and the realization when it is done. So, three times four becomes the twelve modes. The Dhammachaka Pavatana Sutta illustrates once again the blending of the two stylistics, stylistic modes I referred to earlier. The discourse proceeds almost entirely in the realistic, naturalistic mode until we approach the end. When the Buddha completes his sermon, the cosmic significance of the event is eliminated by a passage showing how the deities in each successive celestial realm applaud the discourse and shout the good news up to the deities in the higher, the next higher realm. 
At the same time, the entire world system quakes and shakes, and a great light, surpassing the radiance of the gods, appears in the world. Then, at the very end, we return from this crowded, glorious scene back to the prosaic human realm to behold the Buddha briefly congratulating the ascetic Kodananda, Kuna, sorry, Kodana for gaining the dust free stainless vision of the Dhamma. In one split second, the lamp of the doctrine has passed from master to disciple to begin its journey throughout India and across the world. Good question. Yes. Uh...